This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Tim Stenovec. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's a weekly podcast bringing you a highlight, a favorite interview from the week, just something that stood out. And this week, it's with the CEO at IDA Ireland, Martin Shanahan. He oversees Ireland's government agency that's responsible for attracting and developing foreign direct investment into the country. Yeah, and at one point in January, Tim, Ireland had the fastest and highest spike in coronavirus cases in the world. And that was followed by one of the most stringent lockdowns over in Europe. Ireland is also among those European nations that have temporarily halted the use of the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. Our conversation covered a lot of ground, including Brexit, corporate taxes, growth, tourism, and of course, the impact of the pandemic. And that's where we started. I suppose like all countries, you know, it's been a very difficult year um, for countries, for citizens, and indeed for, for companies. But I think we are getting through this. Uh, as you mentioned in your introduction, we've had a, a difficult January, February, but we have seen infection rates fall, hospitalizations fall, thankfully deaths fall. And like all other countries, we are rolling out um, our vaccine program at the moment. So we are still in a reasonably high level of uh, restriction, but we're hoping come uh, the next number of weeks that we will be able to start to unwind some of those. We've seen school children start to go back to, to school. So slowly but surely we're getting uh, back and we are getting the most vulnerable vaccinated at the moment. And we hope that to, to be able to extend that program over uh, the coming months, uh, obviously availability of vaccines is really what's limiting uh, us at the moment. In ter- it, so it's, it's supply rather than anything else. Yeah, I'm looking at the Bloomberg vaccine tracker right now, uh, and it shows that 9% of the population in Ireland have received at least one shot of the COVID vaccine, and 3.3% of the population is at this point fully vaccinated. I mean, just anecdotally speaking, how do you feel like it's going? Are you starting to hear of more and more people and know more people who are getting vaccinated? That's how it started for us here. Yes, I think we are, Tim, and I, I'm quite close to this uh, as well. So uh, maybe, um, you know, I, 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 I um, hear a lot about this uh, every day. But I think, you know, we, we are slightly ahead of the European average in terms of the, the numbers vaccinated at this point. But undoubtedly, Europe is behind, I think, the US and indeed the, the UK and Israel in terms of uh, the numbers that are vaccinated. And uh, but certainly, undoubtedly, we are seeing the effect. And, and you know, we're people have been vaccinated and again like other countries we've started with the most vulnerable elderly those with uh, serious medical conditions and we have seen the vaccine is working Uh, and and you know so i think there's renewed hope everywhere because of the advent of uh, new therapies and indeed the um, options we have now around vaccines. Yeah, the Bloomberg vaccine tracker says that the EU has a 7.7% of the entire population with one with one dose. So I am wondering how this is all how you're thinking about this when it comes to attracting foreign direct investment. How how do you do you think does does the coronavirus pandemic is this setting back goals that you had over the last few years majorly in in terms of attracting businesses to the country? No actually uh, and I suppose what we've seen in in Ireland is a kind of bifurcation and I think we're not unique in that regard where we've seen the domestically traded economy, particularly retail, hospitality, also the tourism sector and construction to some extent impacted and impacted very heavily. So uh, undoubtedly, the pandemic, uh, we have felt it in Ireland. But actually, those sectors which are dominated by uh, FDI in Ireland, which are uh, technology, pharmaceuticals, uh, medical devices, 
international financial services have proven extraordinarily resilient. And I suppose Ireland has really, over the last number of years, bet on those sectors, really modern sectors that uh, underpin a modern economy. And they have proven really resilient during this uh, period, both the install base of investment this year, but also uh, for 2020, we only saw a 6% drop in the uh, number of investments that we have had into Ireland. And Ireland is one of the few countries that also posted positive economic GDP growth uh, in 2020, modest at 3.5%, but uh, positive uh, nonetheless. So, uh, And it is foreign direct investment and those companies, particularly in pharmaceutical and, and technology firms that are driving that. Martin, we were just talking about a story on the Bloomberg um, about how Europe is moving toward um, vaccine passports so that people can move around from country to country. Do you think we need something like this, especially on a corporate level, you know, with companies that, you know, work for companies that might be in another country? Uh, Yes, Carl. I mean, I think as, you know, we now look forward to uh, opening up, uh, there obviously needs to be ways of verifying that that can happen Mm. safely. The European Commission has proposed a digital green pass, and we're waiting uh, at the moment to see the the details of that um, presented. But I think essentially, as I understand it, we're looking at proof a person has been vaccinated, uh, results tests for those that couldn't be vaccinated, you know, in terms of um, testing for COVID, and information on um, COVID recovery where uh, where that's necessary. And but this is, I think is very complicated. I think yeah. uh, you know you're, you, we need to respect data protection rules. We need to uh, respect security. We need to respect privacy. So I, I think. Uh, you know, we're going to have to tread slowly and make sure that uh, we get this right. And that's obviously what the commission is doing at the moment. Can you give us a general idea about how your conversations over the last year have changed with executives at companies around the world when they are thinking about investing in Ireland before coronavirus? And, and what are they like now? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, firstly, they've changed because we're doing this all virtually. And like yeah. everybody else, we have piv- we've pivoted virtually. And some companies have managed to make that transition very quickly and maybe some less so. And it's obviously much more difficult for companies making physical goods, manufacturing. We have kept all of manufacturing opened in Ireland. Uh, most of it is deemed essential because of the types of products that are being made. In terms of the discussions with executives, uh, you know, the fundamentals of investing in a country still remain the same. You know, uh, executives are interested in those same things. What everybody is discussing, obviously, is what is the future of work? And, you know, I think it's clear at this point that we're not going back to where we were, you know, uh, Monday to Friday, core hours uh, in the office. There's going to be much greater flexibility. I think that's a given at this point. But also there is a role for the office. And I think that's clear. And that's what we're hearing from the companies we're engaging with because for reasons of innovation, collaboration, um, uh, building team culture, onboarding new team members is a big issue, and also ensuring uh, that those uh, coming into companies at uh, more junior levels, that there is some sort of training or apprenticeship model. Much easier, obviously, to do on-site than it is to do remotely. So there is still a future for the office in that regard. I want to get your thoughts on potential tax in the, the tax increase for corporations here in the United States. We had a great story, Nancy Cook and Laura Davis and colleagues breaking this news yesterday that, that President Biden is eyeing his first major tax hike since 1993 in this next economic plan. One of those includes raising the corporate tax rate to 28% from 21%. How would that change the way that American companies think about doing business in Ireland? Would it make Ireland more attractive? 
Well, listen, I mean, I think it's, it, it depends on the overall offering. And uh, similar to when, I suppose, the last administration introduced its tax changes, and I think I said at the time, you know, the, the devil is basically in the detail here and, mm-hmm. you know, how it's done and what um, um, counteracting measures are introduced to support businesses. I think you have to see all of that. The, the headline rate is one thing. Uh, I think also we are obviously facing into probably significant global changes on the tax front during the course of this year. The OECD process has, I think, increased momentum. Uh, Janet Yellen has, I think, made it clear that there will, won't be a, a voluntary opt-out for U.S. Uh, companies. Uh, and, and therefore, I think the prospect of a deal politically uh, on global tax is probably further ahead now than it has been for some time. But again, until we see what happens there under both the pillars they're looking at, it's, uh, it's difficult to say exactly what impact it will have. From Ireland's perspective, you know, we have a 12.5% corporation tax rate. It is consistent, it's transparent, and it's stable and has been there for a long time. And I, I think, uh, you know, while people look at our rate sometimes and think that's the answer potentially uh, because it's a low rate, it's actually around the stability of the rate is probably the most important thing. Right. And interesting, right, at a time where all of a sudden you could see the U.S. corporate tax rate go from 21% to a higher rate, like a lot of movement in just a few years. Um, Having said that, I got to ask you, Martin, what's the outlook? What does the global economic environment look like for you and for Ireland uh, post-pandemic? And especially at a time where I think there's still a lot of countries that are thinking about what do we need to do domestically to heal our societies after COVID? Yeah, I, I think it's very challenging, I think is the short answer. Uh, I think that, you know, we, we had hoped probably that um, we would have unwound restrictions in a lot of countries before now. Uh, having said that, I think, you know, if you're told us a year ago that we would have the vaccines options that we have uh, and that they were tested and now been deployed, I think that's a really uh, fantastic out- outcome. From an FDI perspective, I mean, all the global projections suggest that FDI globally are going is going to decline significantly during the course of uh, 2021 again, uh, some with estimates up to 40% decline. So it's going to be a really challenging environment for, for us and for other colleagues across the globe as we seek foreign direct investment. And, um, you know, there's going to be a smaller pool. And everybody, obviously, is going to be looking for that investment because they are trying to drive economic growth within their economies to pay for the cost of the pandemic. And there's been significant costs for all countries, you know, yeah. whether they're healthcare costs, whether they are supports to business, or they are supports to individuals in terms of a social safety net. How happy are you that we're not talking Brexit? You know, I'm always happy to talk Brexit with you, Carol. Uh, <laughs> but it, 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 it was amazing, like, how many times we've talked about it in the past years. <laughs> it, it's done to some extent in that we, you know, we are now talking post-Brexit. We, there know. is a trade um, a co- uh, and cooperation agreement. Uh, and, and that's a positive. You know, I, yeah. I think I would have said this time last year that the, you know, the objective is to have an agreement between the EU and the UK. Uh, it's not ideal. It probably isn't as comprehensive maybe as we would have uh, yeah. liked, but, it, you know, it's an agreement nonetheless. And I suppose the, the core aspects of that from Ireland's perspective are in there. And one of those core aspects obviously was that we prevent a hard border on the island of Ireland between North and South. And yeah. that has been achieved, albeit it has been very uh, challenging to achieve that. And, you know, I- implementing all of this now is the challenge we're going to be dealing with in the days, months and years ahead. Hey, Martin, we only have 10 seconds left, but uh, a year from now, are we doing this in person? Are you back here with us in the studio? 
I certainly will be making every effort to do that, and uh, I hope you guys will have me. And uh, l- l- let's be optimistic, you know. Um, you know, um, certainly I have a, a, an optimism bias, and uh, I, I, I think we will be. That was the CEO at IDA Ireland, Martin Shanahan. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to listen to our Bloomberg Business Week daily radio show, airing live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. Watch us, too, on our daily broadcast on YouTube. Just search Bloomberg Global News. And you can also see me on Bloomberg Quick Take, available at Bloomberg.com slash QT and streaming platforms like Roku, Apple TV, Samsung TV, and more. I'm Tim Stenevec. And I'm Carol Master. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.